Welcome to Mind Styling, the podcast that explores how we can win at the game inside our heads and make a mark on this world in our own unique style, on our own terms. We interview entrepreneurs and leaders who aren't afraid to push the boundaries and set their own definitions of success. We will share with you the tips and techniques they use to style their mind and give you the tools you need to start mind styling for yourself. Hello, mind stylists. Welcome to another episode of Mind Styling. I'm Dr. Becky Sage. And I'm Amy Armstrong. And we are delighted today to be joined by Kat Wildman and Nick Ponsford, the co-founders of the Global Equality Collective, which is an app which gives leaders all the data, information and education they need to break their own new ground in gender equality and inclusion. Yes, that's what we like to hear, an app that helps us to do all those things. Um, so Nick Ponsford is a fellow of the Royal Society of Arts. She's an educational and technology thought leader, a Harvard author, award-winning teacher, Tez columnist, and EdTech50 judge. Nicole is a frequent <laughs> contributor to The Guardian, Innovate My School and TeachWire, as well as a keynote speaker and panelist most recently at Bet20 and for the RSA. Nick believes that technology is the great equalizer for our time. She's taught new technologies in the education sector from early years to adults since the start of the century. And then we'll go over to Kat. Kat's an award-winning product person and a mum of three. Kat studied science throughout her education, just like me, Kat. Um, I know we've nodded along a lot when we're talking about similar points. Um, she's earned a degree in biomedical and physiological sciences. From there, she went into technology, and that's where she found her home. As co-founder of the GEC, Kat writes and speaks at events on her favorite topics, digital product, startups, working parents, and of course, all things diversity, equity, and equality, and inclusion. And even as a STEM lifer, it wasn't until she became an employer that she really realized that there was such a problem with gender disparity. So all sorts of things that I think we're going to go on and talk more about during this interview. Um, Amy and I are sitting here like relishing all these topics because they're certainly <laughs> close to our heart as well. Um, so could you tell us a little bit and whoever whoever wants to go first uh, about GEC kind of where it is now, where it came from, and um, then a little bit about your own personal journeys and how you got to being where you are now. Yeah. Nick? Cool. Uh, Shall I, I can do how we got together, how we, how we met and bonded, and then uh, Kat, do you want to do the GC? Yeah. Cool. Um, so... Back in very end of 2017, uh, Kat and I were doing very different things, but a huge overlap. So I was working in education. Uh, my background's in teaching. Um, I was working for educational charities and doing an awful lot around inclusion. Um, I was also a parent. Um, I, I've got an older child who has needs. And then I had a twin boy girl twins which is uh, my uh, my own science experiment that I was pushing around um so a lot of sort of um sort of intersectional um 
um, inequalities were kind of at the forefront of my mind. Um, a BBC Two documentary, which has since been BAFTA nominated, called No More Boys and Girls came out. Graham Andre was the primary school teacher involved in that. Um, it had quite a big following on Twitter. He was aware of the work I was doing. He put me into a Twitter group, which was with Cat uh, Wildman. Um, and um, we didn't know of each other at all. We got put into the same group. Um, and I think one of the things that made us sort of gravitate towards each other was when people tend to talk about diversity inclusion, it can be, it, it's not always a very cool, exciting space. It's normally um, littered with awful statistics that are never going to change. Um, it can be quite worthy. And um, I'm a bit of a roll your sleeves up and move the tables around kind of girl. So um, when I met Kat, she was very similar to me and was experiencing the same things in her working and professional life. Is that fair to say, Kat, so far? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so we basically um, decided to jump on a call together and I think in our very first call we jumped straight into solutions what could we do what needed to happen what were the issues um, and and really sort of located the issues around breaking down why these things happen you know it's not just women um, get a leadership positions it goes all the way back from birth and even you know before those uh, wonderful gender reveal parties so we start, We basically then set on a new journey together of working out how could we create this solution? How could we create a platform, a digital platform um, with embedded um, CPD and, and learning and education and tools? Um, what would that look like? Um, how could we do it? And how would we know that we were right? And I think one of the things that helped us was we both have an absolute love of learning. Uh, we're very big on telling everyone about our mistakes and the things we get wrong. And so we um, basically networked in, in the start. So um, at the very end in December 2017, we set up um, a Twitter group just to see if anyone was interested in our idea. And then 2018 was the Me Too year. Um, there were a huge, huge um, um, sort of more mainstream conversations um, around gender equality. And I think at that point, when we started to bring more people in into it as our collective and our, our community, which is now over sort of 15,000, I believe, um, we realised that actually all these subject matter experts had, had different opinions. There were different things to say. There were different lenses to look at things, mm -hmm. different filters. But there was no one place to kind of go if you didn't know how to make this accessible to you. There were no easy steps. There was no friendly face. And so um, the GEC became that so we had kind of the community that we were working on and with and learning from all the time and then at the same stage behind behind the scenes of the tweeting um, and, and the Instagram we were actually working quite hard and developing a research-based practical online tool for businesses and for schools and and that's that's what we've we've did done did done and then at the start of lockdown which was march 2020 which now feels about 84 lifetimes ago um we got funding to build our platform and we built it in lockdown whilst homeschooling and balancing everything else that was going on and we were able to launch and pilot with businesses um in the autumn and then we've just started with educational settings early years through to post 16 and that brings up to us to about now 
Congratulations. <laughs> it's been busy. That's amazing. So, That's so Kat, do you want to say a little bit more then about the GC and and what where it is now and what, what you your plans are for it as you move forwards? Yep. So um, as Nick said, we were both really problem solver people. So what we have both experienced and what I had experienced so much over the year before I met Nick was um, everybody getting together and talking about the problems just going on and on and it turned into moaning moaning shops mm. and I would leave I was going to loads of women in technology events women in leadership events um all sorts of diversity inclusion events and would leave feeling really demotivated and like quite stressed because mm. thinking I, I am a, a, I feed off the energy of the group that I'm with I'm an extreme extrovert so I would absorb all this negative energy thinking oh my gosh it's just so big like what can we do and I would always leave thinking what can we do and so after a year of that I had I had absorbed all the problems and 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 I've been thinking about solutions the whole time so when I met Nick and she was the same we literally just jumped on top of each other and we're like Um, because we were so we'd found someone who wanted to find solutions so working through it from a business perspective what I was looking for being a scientist by education and a technologist by career I was looking for a framework you know where is the list of things to do that I can use on on which I can base my hypotheses and put loads of initiatives out and baseline and measure them and see whether or not all these things are actually making a difference and there wasn't anything and that's what I've been searching for so that was that was my main driver when we got together was let's get a really solid research-based framework that everybody can use that's accessible to everybody and so people can feel like they've got some guardrails on which they then can be super creative so within in in the right context and with the right baselining and measuring you could be as creative as you like you can go absolutely wild in the aisles but there's no point doing that Mm. and thinking solution first unless you've actually got the state of play so so that was our uh, you know we spent two years researching that and writing that and then and then launched our app which has that in it for educational settings and for businesses and so we were thinking we were going to get 10 businesses signed up by before the end of 2020 and we actually got 25 and so that, nice. that immediately proved our hypothesis and, and there were 25 happy customers who were leaving with the feelings we wanted them to leave with so after their first interaction they left feeling calm and in control and that is exactly what we wanted because when we were doing all the interviews there was this massive feeling of panic and the problem's too big and we're such a small cog in the machine how are we ever going to do anything and so yeah and now it's just more of the same this year it's getting more businesses on getting more educational settings on and and helping people to break new ground how are you using your wonderful extroversion in this incredibly odd introverted setup to build such a massive community I mean, uh, 15,000 <laughs> I, I use Nick a lot so <laughs> so Nick Nick and I are both very energetic people and Nick's energy and my energy fit together like pieces of a puzzle that were created <laughs> like many years ago and and were just made to be together so so when when Nick's down I try and build her up when Nick panics, I try and be the calm person. When I panic, Nick is the calm person. You know, we our energies fit together perfectly. So, so we, there's been a lot of that, and we've used our our, our weekly meetings, our twice weekly meetings, as you know, 
the power boosters, which like we're sucking energy out of each other, but actually it's energy that we're giving out, so it's fine. But also, uh, like I have been able to squeeze in eight meetings a day, back-to-back meetings and pitching mm. and catching up with customers and hearing how they're doing and listening to people's problems. And, and you know, I have had more interaction with humans in, in this period than I ever had before. You know, I've been in office, but were we talking to each other or was I just typing at my computer? Um, and this is, you know, actual conversations all day, every day. So I'm getting my fill. <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, I'd worked remotely for 10 years. I'd had to sort of looking after my oldest child. I couldn't, I couldn't leave the home in the way I wanted because I was looking after him. Then all my work was online and working digitally just you know, it's an inclusive way. I, yeah, like Kat says, can jump in and out of things. Um, so we were used to working at home. I mean, Kat and I have only, is it six? We've had six times. Six, six times we've actually met. I mean, one of them was like half an hour at Waterloo Station. Um, we've we've done all of this work, you know, remotely using, you know, collaborative tech to, to do it. So we're, so lockdown doesn't really change our working relationship. Mm. Um, working around the kids like everyone else does but um in terms of how we work and how we're productive together we working online suits us and 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 I think in the few times where we have got together we've ended up sitting next to each other with our laptops silently working (laughs) because we're both big geeks so um you know that's part of our our happy marriage Yeah, I think I think there's definitely a misnomer that there is that you have to be socially distanced, despite the the term um, when when we're physically distanced. And we talked about this with some of our other guests. I know for me personally, I've certainly had more interaction with people because, like you said, you can just you can fit so much more in, and you can recharge your batteries so much more quickly um you know not maybe not um do some of the exciting things we wanted to do before and shaking it all off by having fun in in the ways we might have done previously but um but yeah you can you it's easier to kind of move from one person to Mm. the next when you're in a remote environment and of course like you said we're all kind of promoting digital and 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 really do feel the value of digital. Um, so one thing I'm really interested in is going back to those earlier days, because like you said, you you clearly have found, um, I'm going to use the term that one of our other guests used for this as well, which is your creative soulmates. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, you like that? <laughs> um, yeah, I call it, I call it, I call Kat the work wife as well. Yeah, they, Ooh, so wow. it's definitely <laughs> much more sophisticated. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a kind of a deeper level, right, than a than a marriage. <laughs> you know. Anyway, um, so when you kind of were in those early days and you were making a decision to start embarking on things together, what was it that gave you confidence that you would be a good partnership? That is a really good question. Do you know what i I don't think I ever had a moment where. I went oh is Nick the right person Mm. I just feel like as soon as we met uh, I remember lying in bed my husband had gone to sleep it was pitch black he was snoring and I was on Twitter (laughs) messaging Nick Mm. and we were in this group just messaging messaging god knows what time it was um I wonder if I I was pregnant no I wasn't pregnant anyway we were up in the early hours and just talking and talking talking and and I think it was Nick he was like are we actually going to do that like are we going to do this and I was like, well, yeah, of course. And so she was like, okay, great. Like we never really had a moment of going, what are you like? And do you work this way? And how do you, you know, we just sort of, 
decided first and then worked all that stuff out later. It was, did you feel that, Nick? Yeah, I think we're both we're both very driven and we're both very passionate. And I think we're both quite obsessive when we get an idea. And I think we're very similar that our me time can be working and writing and being creative and mm-hmm. finding out solutions. So and I've, I mean, I've always worked like that. I've always, you know, gone for it. And I, I know Kat has in her career as well. And I think just that initial idea of finding someone and it being really exciting that, you know, that oh, let's, let's start with Twitter and then let's start working on ideas. And I don't think there's ever, there's never been a bit where we've said to each other, no, we've maybe said, let's have a little think, or I need to, just a bit of time to, you know, absorb this or but neither one of us have put the brakes on each other. Um, and also Funny I think name. we're quite, we're quite, you know, when we first started off, it was almost like that idealistic heady days. Um, and we've had to learn about each other. Yeah. And we've had to learn about each other and we both work in very different ways. And it probably took us a little bit of time to work out what, what that is, but we know that now. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, it's, I think I'm learning with startup as well. You know, it's it is an obsession. It this is this isn't just a job. This is something that's really driven. And because of our subject matter as well, it feels even more important. I think getting that first kind of community, we do feel a responsibility. We never expected anyone to listen to us, you know, um, and and kind of come along. And everyone is so supportive. And when we ask things of of the people working with. Um, they always jump to it and if they ask us to do things we we do it as well and it's just it's just become larger than life really I think and then at the backdrop we've actually got some, a product um that, that can help change lives as well so it's 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 we say it's like dog years each day each day we cannot believe what you know on a Friday our updates for the week are just redonkulous so <laughs> it's just it's just a gift that keeps That's giving. brilliant yeah and uh, so so it sounds to me like it's been a lot of yes Yes, yes. And I think it's that that idea of kind of when you know, you know, and when you're and action is definitely a place where where I learn and I grow is like through doing. And and it sounds like you've done that both in terms of the relationship, but also everything else that you've been building. It's been about this works. We're saying yes to this concept. Let's do it. It's, you know, it's strong enough of a pull to to keep going with so many updates every every week and eight meetings a day and lots of yes, yes, yes. It's really exciting. This is obsessive. What do you do? What brings you kind of back down to earth and grounds you and kind of gives you the um that yeah the the calmness or the groundedness to make sure that this is you're able to be resilient and you can kind of keep this up over time I think one of the things that we we did we brought in a, a kind of a third player into this mm-hmm. so we have uh Jem and, and and she'll love it that we're talking about her as well because she's like the invisible thread that keeps us all together um, but Jem helped us go from being a real passion project and ideas into the foundations of a business. Um, you know, the, the bits and pieces that I in particular didn't really understand. I mean, I worked in marketing and advertising before I went into education, so I, I wasn't completely institutionalised by the educational sector. But yeah, that kind of how we set things up, and and that allows time for Kat and I, I to then have those ideas and have those conversations. Mm. So, and she does, you know, from you know, she is our con- consistency queen. I kind of call her that. She just makes sure we we're checking everything, and we're 
and and it's another filter as well because mm. you know sort of speaking to founders uh other founders like we found um some of the fans we were talking and, and they'd split and I was really I was quite upset that these founders had split because then it was like Kat and I could split like what what's that about but and but also being two of you it can be quite intense because you know we don't often get a yes no but it is sometimes good to have a bit of a buffer mm. and I think Jem helps us just oil everything along a bit would, would you say that Kat? Yeah I was gonna say when you were asking the question Becky I was thinking the answer is other people so if me and Nick mm. are left for our own devices <laughs> we like, we've tried we've tried interviewing each other for a podcast but, you know and we can't mm-hmm. we cannot do it we can't stay on topic because we're just ideas 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 and we're going off and having a chat and we just spark off each other so much that it like the energy gets to mm. crazy levels so that bringing down to earth always involves a third party so we're we're accountable to our investors mm. so for me having those meetings where where we have to present them certain mm. things in, in a very logical manner that that's great for me because I will go right let's look back let's take stock mm. and then let's think and then that makes you think about right we need definitely need to focus on more of that and so that helps me and then obviously Jen like mm. she she we're like two helium balloons and she's holding on to the strings yes. like, <laughs> you can reel us in whenever she needs to and be like tax return and we go oh yeah okay yeah okay right we'll promise we'll do that this afternoon or you know something like that please sign this document okay <laughs> otherwise That's we'll start we'll start making like clothes lines and retail <laughs> outlets and yeah all that how did you find so Jem cool. sorry how did you find her yeah uh so Jem I went to school with her and it just um all you know one of the things we seem to have at the GEC, these worlds align quite quickly for us. So she had been a PR in London at an architect's firm and um, had just had um, a little one and was looking for sort of a, something to do in a virtual PA. And, and um, I'd spoken to her about it before. She'd done a little bit and then we sort of were able to pick her up when she'd had a little bit of experience with it, which was great. But I mean, one of the things we have found in this is um, a lot of working parents who I used to being highly productive and then something's happened and you know they are looking after dependents and and they've still got that flair and that expertise but they can't apply it in a way that they would want to and, and I think the learnings that I had when I had my older son and, and the predicament that threw me into um we we really look for where the productivity and, and I think that's one of the things why we're both so passionate about inclusion is because it works for us in real life as well you know we we do the job around looking after dependents and and semi looking after ourselves and um and um yeah so that so Jem just was just brilliant and just um as, as it works well with both of us as well which is great it sounds like you took the time with her as well then and is that something that even though your relationship together as founders came together quite quickly and like swept up in a in a very um I want to say reactive but but in a kind of positive reactive way um whereas sometimes when we're talking reactive we're kind of talking a bit like oh I'm just responding to everything that's bombarding me um so as you're moving forward do you feel like you're able to be a bit more proactive in and and a bit more patient maybe in terms of I'm not suggesting you were impatient before but um we but were. yeah yeah we still are yeah we're, still, we're massively impatient uh, I think I think that if when you're working with the subject matter that we're working with we have to be impatient it's true actually yeah, yeah. That, and that's true of both Nick and I were both mm-hmm. as impatient as each other and I think that is what 
that's what we like about each other because mm. we're productive we're both super productive and we're both really impatient so one of us will have an idea the other one will go off and do a load of stuff on it the other one will do a load of stuff on it and we'll, and we'll have done it within the space of a week and then we'll come mm. back together and go let's discuss this thing and we've, we've solved the problem really quickly I think if one of us was more right now let's have a planning session on this and really think about it for a really long time and you know I think that we might run into problems because the other person might feel a little held back. Whereas Nick will go, I'm doing a huge education conference and thousands and thousands of people are going to come and I'm going to organize it now. And I'm like, cool, great. Good luck. You know, you want me to do, you know? Yeah. And that makes a lot of, I completely understand that because um, my, you described before that when, when you talk to each other and like you, if it's just you two left to your own devices, it's really high energy. And, and I certainly find that if I, I'm like that and I, I get to that really high energy place and then you don't have then the action isn't quick after that mm. I burn out so quickly I get very demoralized actually very quickly um you know it, it happens literally overnight I'll go from being excited about something and then if the if I can't like if the action's not happening if it's not moving forward uh, then I I suddenly am just like oh well I'm exhausted now and what's happened you know it's exactly that yeah yeah. And I think that's what can help with having two of you as well. Like it, you know, it's quite a tough journey. I mean, it's a tough journey in the space and the way that the landscape is changing and the demands and all that kind of thing. But also setting up a business, which is essentially isn't what we led setting out to do. We we kind of got together, had an idea, and then we got investment, and then we've now got a business, and now we're learning to be business partners as well as creative soulmates and it's yeah it is it is a new way but if we if I do feel you know down or I'm questioning things Kat and I will talk and we'll get it back on a little level again as well and we were both you know I that that, that word but we were both leaders in the field before we got together we both brought an awful lot of experience separately and we've been able to look at the overlaps, but you know, I've still got you know huge respect for for Kat and her career and what she's done and and the stuff that I I don't know I don't know those experiences and she brings that into our business and you know and I the stuff I do in education Kat's just always so wonderful way she talks about me and but she knows that she doesn't have that so there is a bit. We, we come together and we can support each other, but we do, we do, we are individuals at the same time as well. Mm. What are you most excited about with GEC Collective at the moment? I personally am most excited about where, where it's going to go. Mm. So it's, this is the first step into what I personally have been dreaming about for my whole career, I always wanted to. So I'm, I'm, I've built digital products that solve customer problems and create, you know, great things. And so I've built a digital product and which solves customer problems, but solves great customer problems to solve. It's not about, you know, ease of buying shoes, although that would be nice, but it's about <laughs> something that I believe in so passionately. So it's, you know, I've taken the first step into, you know, the amazing kingdom that I always wanted to be in. And I'm just looking around now thinking, look at all the things we could do. You know, people like what we're doing and there's so many different ways it could go. I'm just really, really excited to to be doing this and to have the opportunity to, to be doing the thing that, that, you know, it's not a job. 
I, I would do this in my spare time. I'd do this all night and all day if I didn't have to sleep, but that's annoying. Um, so yeah, I'm just, uh, that's what I'm excited about, the possibilities. I think for me, I'm really excited about seeing what's what's happening now as well. So getting the feedback um, from school, I'm speaking to sort of large organisations, local authorities that want to bring this in for diversity inclusion and then hearing how that's changing conversations in the staff rooms, how that's changing experiences for the students. I mean, it's to have this kind of impact and get people making students' experiences better. That's, you know, that's why I wanted to become a teacher and, you know, stand, make my sister sit on the floor and I had a chalkboard when I was little, you know. it's I used to do that too. <laughs> it's, it's all living a dream. And, it, and yeah, it... We just don't know where it's going to go. And also, you know, because we've sort of done this in lockdown, it's like, you know, where, where, where will we go with this when we're actually back out of our houses? And, you know, so it's, we've had this kind of like literal bubble that we've been working in um, and developing it and, and already had amazing feedback and enthusiasm. And that I, I'm a bit scared of, you know, when we're allowed out what's what's going to happen but excited very excited about it as well so when you are you know new product and you you're coming going to those customers and you're talking to them um presumably they are somewhat bought into the need um but how how is it that you're able to get them excited get them over the line and and really get them to invest in your product from from the business side I think the thing I know the thing that is convincing people and getting them over the line is the fact that we understand their problems so well. Mm-hmm. So I I always start off talking to businesses saying, look, when we've spoken to businesses in the past, they've said that the problem feels too big to solve. When they go out to these talks, everything feels far removed. It doesn't feel immediately applicable to your organization. There's no clear framework. There's no training for leaders. You know, if you want like leaders buy training for their employees that don't buy training for themselves and all of these problems that uh, and we just show them, we understand their problems and they're going, yes, 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 yes. And then they want to talk a lot about how much I've just hit on, you know, resonated with them. And so then they talk about that a bit and we go, well, this is what our solution is. We, we solve these problems. You know, your data, our framework, completely applicable, really, really relevant tra- training, perfect for leaders, written by leaders, for leaders you know, and, and it's cyclical, it will give you a feeling of calm, and it breaks that problem down into 140 data points, you pick seven or eight, go for the year, come back again, and they're like, okay, great, and how much is the consultancy, and we're like, it's all online, there isn't any consultancy, and they're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> mm. Probably does feel like a big breakthrough to those organizations who are used to it being done in that opposite way, which is hi, I'm a consultant, I'm X number of, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Per day. yeah, and you can't see in my magic bag because it's all a lot of very secret sauce, and I'm a very special expert at this stuff. Mm. Actually, our aim is to completely turn that around and go, you're going to be the expert because it's your organization, it's your data, it's going to be your ideas that, that close your own gaps. Here's all the tools and information and education you need to make that happen. And they're going, oh, great, fantastic. And as Nick said, hearing them tell you about their experiences and say all these amazing things about, you know, I, I knew exactly what the problem was from the very first summary of data. I saw it, I zoned in, I kind of knew it was that, interrogated the data a little bit, read the training, and now we've done, you know, 
X things already, immediately we made changes and we're like, yes. Really we, mm, carry on, Nick. Sorry, I was just going to no. say we we all love it when the data and our instincts come together, don't we? <laughs> the best thing in the world. It is the best. <laughs> um, I just reflect on what um, you know the head teacher sort of said to me. So our, for education, it's early years through to post sixteen at the moment, um, and and they you know I mean not only do they like that it's saved when you're you know disrupted about 84 billion times when you do anything in education um but what I think it's come through it's really interesting is their education is saying we didn't know we didn't know this um and, and I find that really powerful because yeah. you know everyone thinks you know schools are this you know, microcosm of, of society, um, but also it's helped, they help raise our children and then they're, you know, bringing up the future and all, the, all these kinds of demands on the school. But if the school doesn't understand all the different filters and how they might be potentially, you know, creating obstacles for, for students and these, these fellow, you know, graduates and, you know, the future workforces, um, that's really powerful so yeah so I I'm really really thrilled that they're now talking about it middle leaders are talking about flexible working and they're talking about who could be in what role there was a talk from one secondary school where um the teachers were saying oh all the um heads of year which is a pastoral sort of looking after students role are all women and um all the uh, heads of subject are male and I'm a female so I can't do that and they were you know why do you think that and actually our data isn't that it's completely different and you know, I think obviously young teachers in 2020, 2021, having these conversations now, there is a lot of work to be out there and done. But, you know, they're sort of saying, you know, what happens when you have these discussion? It's a GEC. We've done it. We do the GEC. We now know we've had those conversations. We can put all that in place. We can put the training in place. We can make sure that the roles are clearly sort of advertised to all, have those conversations, make those changes and and improve things. Um, so, yeah, amazing. So obviously you're apps. gosh, Nick, you're completely passionate about the education sector. And uh, the leaders are your head teachers and your middle management and all the way through that. And then it's directly impacting on the youth of today, our children that are going to grow up and to be these new leaders of the world. Absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, and the way that the education um it will use it is it, it looks at the attitudes of those members of staff um, and it asks all members of staff what their attitudes are to um, gender equality and inclusion and um, because every member of staff is important because they all interact mm. with the students have relationships with students so therefore they have an impact so that's why it's not just a leader um, but the leaders shape the policy mm. but it's about schools working together and that's normally what would happen um, you know um, things from the ground filter up and and likewise so um yeah we're going we're going forward and we've got big and with your community but, focus oh sorry just, no carry well, on with the community focus are you getting are the schools starting to talk to each other as well is that your vision or is it something yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so we've got three um sort of key communities of the GEC we've got our business and organizations we've got our education and we've got our parents um, and what I think we do quite successfully is they are all in our community. So if you look at our collectives, they are all in our collective. Our subject matter experts are experts in their, their sector 
or whatever their passion is, but we connect them together. So when we do panels, we bring them together, as Becky will know. Um, we will bring business leaders into education and vice versa. Um, we bring parents into it, academics into it, because um, we really believe that you have to have all those different voices. It isn't just you know tokenistic in what we do we're very passionate and and our work has illustrated that even if you take an area like feminism there is a range of viewpoints um on that so we would just choose one person to talk about that we would pick people that represent the different views within that um so people can make their own opinions from it and so that's that's what we try to do that is another thing as well on the topic of being being excited for the future when we bring those groups together because we, ha- we haven't really done that to our fullest, fullest extent yet. And there's so much potential there. So when one thing that really struck me when I started going to education events with Nick was that was it was a totally different vibe to diversity and inclusion events in business. So diversity and inclusion events in business is all like doom and gloom and here are the problems and everyone feels quite sick of talking about it. Whereas in education, the energy levels were just through the roof and there were people throwing out ideas, people doing really cool stuff. It's such an experimental, they felt experimental and they felt free to be able to do things. Whereas in business, they're like, well, we have to get that past the committee and we'll have to speak to the board about it. And everyone just felt like low energy. So bringing those two groups together to share what they've done, I think will really benefit both parties because the education people were saying well you know it would be great if we could get businesses in to talk about them but I don't think they'd really want to businesses would love to go mm-hmm. in schools and talk to kids and talk to teachers and share their knowledge and so I think that we we are on the verge of something incredible happening when we bring those two groups together in real life I think that's such an interesting observation about those two communities because I have observed the same thing. Mm-hmm. And what's been particularly interesting uh, working as a governor in a school is seeing how quickly schools will can can move, actually. I mean, we all go, oh, sc- teachers are always busy and this, you know. But actually, the especially when they have new knowledge that says to them that some of your kids are going to be not only left behind but actually are getting damaged by some of the issues we have with with diversity and inclusion they are so quick to make changes and I've seen that happen and and I've been so impressed by the positive changes that have made that have been made but in comparison to like you said kind of watching it in a business space where it does feel a it can be very checkboxy and navel gazing, uh, and and I think that that's genuine. You know, I've I've seen that in a very practical, active way in schools that, that changes are really happening. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I think at the moment people are appreciating how quickly um, education can pivot, particularly mm. around COVID. And even in the last few weeks, you know, people are experiencing, many parents are experiencing how quickly teachers are upskilling themselves um to to cope with this and to keep the learning going on for their children as well you know that that is their job but they are passionate about it as well um and you know the best teachers will do that but as in with any sector there is still education and learning to happen there are you know uh, traditional ideas there are uninformed ideas and there are blockers and I think it's that kind of understanding sitting within education and within um, the community of, of teachers that we've already got, of practitioners, um, 
that help us keep our sort of feet on the ground and and we are accessible we are not shaming we are not telling anyone off in business parents we want to be that accessible front because there are a lot of finger wagging and eye rolling and um and inner politics as well when it comes to diversity and inclusion. I think that's something mm. that was but we've learned over you know the last few years as well. I mean, kind of turf war type things, yeah, where it's kind of our diversity is more yeah. important than well, there's diverse turf as in get off my turf, and there's turf as in you know T E R F wars. Like it's all it's all going on. There's there's mm. so much. Do you know what? There's there's so many different um, lenses to look at the conflict within people who are trying to make a change. There's people who say, you know, we, we've got this, we're doing it, don't you do it as well, which is a really weird and non-inclusive attitude to have and is totally different to ours. There's also a radical, you know, what, what they call radical feminists who don't recognise trans, the trans community mm. as women or men and they will purposely exclude those and there's some really vicious things going on online, um, which is completely against our principles. Uh, and then there's this, um like kind of policing like this internal policing about language mm. terms whether you've included every single um person when you're talking about a particular thing whether you've listed all the characteristics when you're making a point about a certain particular particular group that the type of language you use like I don't like that term that that you know that it's it's actually really crazy <laughs> so, so when you come up against that so you're you're here you're you're wanting to make a positive change through that we you know that we are all making mistakes along the way as well or we're doing things that might um not feel what somebody else wants it to be how does that impact you when you're kind of like well I'm you know (laughs) I'm trying to do something positive here we are doing something positive here uh and this is kind of feeling maybe closed-minded or like a blocker to the positive change that you want to make. Yeah, I think we've been sorry. I, I think we've been not fortunate, but we we work very hard to to be open to ideas, to listen. Um, so we don't actually get an awful lot of backbite with it, and we don't place ourselves in the middle. Yeah of those things and I think we're kind of at the point now where we know we are a a creator we create content we we create ideas we create uh, communication um, conversations and action Mm -hmm. we are not destroyers we are not going to go out and slag someone else off or get into a ruck with them because we don't agree with them you know if if we don't like what someone's doing we'll do something in our own way you know we're not going to pull them down Mm -hmm. for it so I think that's kind of where we say would you agree Kat? yeah definitely I think we're trying to lead by example one of the first things that we did was we wrote our values down mm. before we even started to do anything and we always said collaboration over competition we would always yeah. try and do that and if someone wanted to compete with us great because there's more people working on something that's really worthy of being worked on so amazing and if you don't want to be pals while we're doing it that's cool you know that's fine do it but go for it do it um but also we we would never take that stance of um, trying to humiliate anybody online or tear anyone down. And we wouldn't go looking for people. We wouldn't call people out online. We, we might call people in and say, oh, hey, you know, mm-hmm. you, you use this term or whatever. You know, but we, we try not to. Um, but we would we would definitely educate people wherever we possibly could and try and take that stance. Um, so mm-hmm. and also 
a specific thing that we wrote down was that we wouldn't like there's no such thing as perfection and so our whole persona is let's be curious we're curious <laughs> and we bring people together and so we're curious to hear your feedback if you don't like something we've said tell us because we want to know you know and sometimes mm. it can feel like nitpicky or whatever but it is important because that has had an impact on an individual and and that's all part of what we do and the businesses and the educational settings that we're working with are going to come up against this sort of stuff and so the more that we live it and experience it and find out how we're dealing with it the more we can help pass that knowledge on and empathize with them when they're when they're hitting the same problem so yeah we don't go looking for fights you know we, we will defend opposition if someone if someone you know doesn't like something that we're talking about but we we're completely confident in the fact that we we do try really hard to include people and we're doing the right thing so mm-hmm. so small things um we'll, we'll always listen to people and nick also taught me something very good which was uh, <laughs> say thank you for your feedback like yes. <laughs> and that's something that i that i will never forget she's just like just say thank you for your feedback mm-hmm. and, and i'm like okay great Thank you. <laughs> Make all the difference. Yeah. It does. I think, yeah, go for go for sugar rather than salt mm. if you can. Um, and, I, and and less is more I'm learning as well. Particularly with I think communications online, less is more. Mm. Um and I've I've learned that more over the last few years. Cat's much better at that than me, being sort of a succinct when we need to be, where I'm like, oh no, 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 no. And it's like, no, 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 no. So I yeah, think I think um, it's it's a hard to, in that sense what because what we're doing isn't just like a you know it isn't just a platform it is representing equality and you have to mm. you know get into the middle of it it does leave us susceptible for those kinds of conflicts but our journey we've been very transparent with everyone about our journey they know that it's us too um, we spoke to someone recently and they said they've got a team of 20. We're like, no, it's us and Jem, <laughs> you know, working on it. And so and people can reach out and talk to us and 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 they do. So I think that kind of helps as well. And we're just, we're just painfully honest about stuff. Mm. I, I just yeah, what keeps coming back to me is something that we've talked about with some of our other guests is is this idea of well curiosity being curiosity led being values led but i just the the sentence about seeking first to understand also just keeps coming back and and actually is that the whole thing of listening rather than speaking uh, a lot of the time can be really helpful and and you you mentioned it before cat with um, when you were talking about the problem space and really understanding the problem space and then it applies here as well this idea of i'm just going to try and really understand what's going on because then that's going to um add to in fact the simplicity and the focus in the solutions that we're going to bring to you that we are bringing to you so it's very powerful um, so something I wanted to come back to was, uh, Kat, you, in your bio, it said about not really understanding or, or realizing the degree to which there was gender bias until not when you were doing your degree, but, but later on in your career, when you were in the sex tech sector and you got into more of a management role, can you speak a little bit more about that? And what was it that, that made you realize, oh, there are problems here? Yeah, so I looking back on it, I I think that I had just internalized the, the way things were and I just accepted that the way things were, I was going to have to work harder, I was going to come up against sexism and and you know, outright discrimination sometimes, you know, sexual harassment, all sorts of stuff. I'd seen it all and and I kind of 
Mm. That's the way it had always been. And to me, that was the way that things were. And it was only when it was only when I was it was a combination of a few things actually. I I was recruiting for two roles in my team and I just kept getting these CVs from men and men and men and men and there wasn't a single woman applying. The gender pay gap reporting initiative had been announced. And so I thought that is going to be interesting. Well done. Um, I'm so glad that is happening. And that would be a legacy that Theresa May can take away with her and be happy. Um, and and the fact that I had little kids at home, um, like I've got a girl and two boys. And then I was reading Everyday Sexism, the book, and that, those first two chapters hit me in the face. And then I watched No More Boys and Girls. And that was the moment where it all came together. And I thought, this stuff is all related. It's all directly related. The fact that I don't have any male CVs is directly related to what she's saying in everyday sexism. It's a, it's a systemic problem. I've seen it. I've been ignoring it because you want to get on. You know, you play the game to get up the ladder and get into a position where you can start to influence. And then I thought, now is my time to influence. I'm there. So let's change it. And I threw everyday sexism down on the sofa and stood up to my husband. I was like, I'm going to change the world. And he was like, TV or are we still watching this and I'm like yeah carry on (laughs) just wanted to announce it (laughs) and so you said that a lot of it had been internalized up to that point and I you know I was nodding vigorously because I think that there were parts of our our journey that were probably that there's lots of similarities and um I definitely experienced that as well and and I've spoken to a lot of other women who've said oh I just kind of shut that off you know I I shut off the part of me that's angry when somebody um you know speaks down at me or ignores me because I'm the woman that walks in the room I laugh it off when somebody makes some sexist remark at me um what what was it that was you know is that how you responded to it was it this kind of idea of oh these are just like nothing things and I'm just gonna kind of keep going and keep walking forward the thing yeah kind of I always I always kept those things that had happened so I have a little file in my brain of things that happened that do make such an impact on you like the worst things that happened and the things people say like I had called a meeting and and everyone was sitting down there's 20 people I'm chairing it it's my project and and one of the guys was like are you gonna are you gonna play mother? And I was like, pardon. And he was like, are you going to pour the coffees? And I was like, no, uh, I'm going to share the meeting. And then <laughs> like that just struck me as so bizarre. Like, why would is it because I've got a uterus that you think that I'm going to pour the coffee? It just it's just nonsensical. And so doesn't that impact your tea pouring ability? Exactly. <laughs> uteruses are really important for that. <laughs> Why would I be better at that? What made you think that I would even want to do that? I'm going to chair the meeting. It's just that. I, so I have all those things in my head and and it drove me and I use them and I would dip into that folder whenever I needed to get give myself a kick up the bum. So every time that someone was really horrible to me at work and would really patronize me or humiliate me in a huge meeting full of people, it added to my fire and I would I remember this one time this guy was horrible to me and he said, You're nothing but a jumped up secretary. And I was the senior project manager of the whole of digital for the Telegraph newspaper at the time. And and so because I was taking notes and, and getting updates for people, and it, it hurt me so much. I wrapped toilet roll, ran my fingers in the women's toilets, had a little cry, so I didn't ruin my makeup. <laughs> 
and then walked out of that toilet with the most fire that I have ever had and I was like I will show you I will show you all and it drove me and so because I had used that to drive me and all those things that had happened I kind of thought well I succeeded in spite of that and I'd never thought hang on a minute I want to change this or or I can change this for the next generation I thought I can teach the next generation how to navigate these issues but I never thought you know there's a possibility these issues won't happen to other Mm. people Mm. they might come up the career ladder never experiencing that sort of thing and I had never thought you have permission to be able to change it yourself and that was the moment when I threw the book down I was like I am going to change it and I'm going to make sure my daughter never has moments like that hopefully wow that's very powerful (laughs) and and what's interesting as well is um I think there's a shift isn't there between when we because it's also um, internalized and and so normalized uh, has been in our in our growing up. Um, I think it does take a certain point to suddenly realize that all these microaggressions are going on, and then when you do realize them, and that it is such a powerful moment, and it's certainly what you've just described. It feels like a massive driving force for me as well. So I just and I think it was it's interesting to look at what you just said there as well about there's there's one thing which is about helping helping people who are experiencing the same problems navigate those problems which we do have to do um because they do still exist plus how do we change these cultures and i and i love that you've used that to go yeah we can do this and we've got a practical way of doing this and we're going to step up and 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 do that culture change so so it's you know people aren't going to have to well, women underrepresented groups aren't going to have to work harder than the white cis men just to stay on the level to do all this emotional work and and mental work that we have to do currently just to kind of get through our days really and and feel healthy at the end of the day I was interested that the fact that you took those negative events and you turned them into your fire and that's a because that's not what everyone can do from their personality perspective have there been times when you've had to work on that cat and just uh not yes or is it just a natural intuitive response for you that you turn it into your passion the negative yeah I think like Nick has seen me get kicked down um by life at times you know there are like there's resilience and there's and there's mountains that you need to climb over so I I will always be I will always get up again it's just how long does it take me to dust myself off and hold my head up high again and so you know we you know, the, it wasn't too long ago. We had a run in with this group who were who were you know being awful about a certain group of people, and and we always feel that that you know the, the wrongness of someone who who is attacking another group. Uh, and it took me a minute to get over that, and it took Nick a minute to get over it. And we kind of just dusted ourselves off and, and, and carried on. But yeah, there are things that that you know send you down for a, a minute or two, um, like depending on depending on how big it is and who it affects as well. I think for me, if it's just been directed at me personally, I can fire up my own pilot like quicker than if it's affected someone else, and I will feel that injustice that injustice really keenly. Like if someone did something to Nick, for example, it would take me a, a while. Like I would want to come out fighting, and I would want to you know get my sword out and start. <laughs> but you know it it. it 
it takes me a while to get over the injustice that happens to other people because it just feels so completely unfair. Mm. Um, but yeah, it is part of my personality, but it's not like I jump up straight away and start and start doing things about it. I definitely have my moments where I'll walk around being absolutely livid for, for you know, a week or so. <laughs> Nick, are you a fighter in response to attack or are you do you respond to it differently? And how do you look after yourself? I think, well... I think different ways really I am quite scrappy <laughs> I, quite, I quite I quite like to get involved but I I don't really like conflict um and so I think when there is conflict I like to reflect and work it out um I think due to my background I think the work that I did with kids in sort of deprived areas and working with kids who had the most need that actually just being slow and steady can kind of help so I, I could do that but you know I, I get I get angry like the rest of rest of us and I think sometimes it's working about where where and if you need to edit your kind of uh, emotions and how you're feeling about things and there is a blur with what we do with a, like professional and then personal and it's kind of known where to like and and I think more recently it's like what we have energy to deal with so um you know we've we've got a lot on both of us um we've got a lot we're trying to do and actually some of the the destroyers or the people who want the fight they frankly they they're not a priority and i and i think i'm getting better at realizing that more um as i get older and wiser do you think part of that as well is starting to see i describe it as getting the wind in your sails around the positive movement the better right you know you've built the app you've got people using it you know that can really provide focus around an important area because you're like look this is moving now and the more energy we put into this the more that's gonna create positive change exactly where we want it to go and it's then then easier isn't it to like be well you're obviously not a priority because I'm looking after this thing and this thing is really doing what we need it to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also like, you know, we are family first, like we're trying to, we're trying to do something that's inclusive and that's no, it's not worth it. If, you know, Kat and I are on our knees, we need, we've got young kids that we want to look up. We want to do this because we want to spend time with our children and be there and, and be, and we want to be productive in a way that suits us and what we're doing. And I think that's where, you do have to prioritize and you know the last nearly a year now things have changed and there are different priorities and there are different people around us who need our time as well as a business and I think it's a bit of a balance and if there's some sort of irritated person on social media who wants to be vile actually we've experienced that we now know what to do Kat and I are smart we will get legal advice where we need to we will work it out between us and we will make a decision and and you know this is new we we when we met three years ago we didn't know we were going to have a a global transformative diversity and inclusion app that we'd be launching in the middle of a a global pandemic so I would have been really impressed if we you know done that kind of risk taking Mm -hmm. um but um you know and that's why we're learning and 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 we 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 take even you know the sort of um arrows thrown at us we take that as an opportunity to to work out what we're doing and what we can improve and what we can do better which you know when we've done it recently I've been quite proud of us I feel that you know we've we've tried to handle it in a, in a positive way as much as we can rather than defeat us because we've got this far we want to keep going so 
support systems tend to play a really important part in being able to do that, especially, you know, over time as well, taking those journeys. You described having each other and being a really good support system to each other. Have you got your support systems that sit outside of that as well? Yeah, definitely. Do you know what? Mine, my family, obviously, my family, and where I go, I go to my family to switch off. Um, so my husband and I, like, we, we don't really talk about the GC that much. He'll, like, we've, when we get a big win or when something great happens, I'll come and talk to him about it. But I, he is my, he is my sanctuary where I, like, go to get some normality. Um, and also, like, for me, the, the collective on Instagram are fantastic mm-hmm. so when we encounter like when when I've had a bad experience I don't hang out on Twitter and Nick I mean, Twitter is Nick's domain she is the Twitter <laughs> queen and I don't go there on purpose because I don't I like there's bad vibes on that platform and so when I when I have a little encounter I'll go run back to Instagram like hang out with my Instagram all around in the good feelings and the kindness and I'm like oh <laughs> I think with, with what Twitter has allowed me with this but so when we sort of we set it up and um, we were reaching out originally, I was so surprised how many teachers were on Twitter to start mm. with and then how many go there for their kind of, their, their me time really. So, mm. you know, the Twitter that I'm involved with, you know, there's movie nights of 80s films on which are trying to connect with teachers who are on their own in lockdown. There are mm. uh, huge online, I mean, we had ours in December, we had, you know, 2.2 thousand yeah. views in like 48 hours of teachers looking for free CPD to learn more. So um, I feel, you know, our little space that we've got on Twitter, which is for businesses, homes and schools, it started with teachers, so we've got more of them on there, obviously. Um, It's actually quite a positive place. And I think when people do a bit of a cull, we we Mm. stay on it because we are cheery and happy and we get loads of shouts out about our work. And and because we share, we share the work of our collective, we share their blogs. We, you know, we want to hear what they, we want all the voices. Mm. We want to be that kind of, um, you know, the hub for what's going on. So, you know, part of what we do is share that. And yeah, I think the collective has, start off with people to help with advice but actually we've got some you know real inner circle friends that support us mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm a bit the opposite I still speak to everyone about the GEC no matter who they are you know delivery person or you know I'm so, so excited the kids won't really listen well the kids now will say something oh mummy have seen this that wasn't very GEC which is quite nice um but um yeah family and um and yeah I mean it just feels like it's GC for life now. So mm. everyone's got a part of it. It's um, you just <laughs> reminded me one of our previous uh, podcast guests. They they have a podcast of their own, and and they interviewed their kids this week on on their podcast. And um, I just thought uh, who are I think six and eight. So there was a lot of like, do you know what what do mummy and daddy do when they go to work? And then the older one was like, well, we don't actually know if you do anything, or maybe you just go and eat chocolate cake when we're when we're at school, or when we're, you know. I was like, well, fair point. That could be exactly what they're doing. I mean, I don't, I don't think they are. But as you said that, I was like, how interesting. <laughs> you need to get your kids like getting interviewed on. <laughs> What do they think you're doing when when you're at work? Um, so I think we we need to wrap up. But before we do, Amy, have you got any other questions? I just had one, which I just just spinning off the back of that, Nick. What do you do when you're not online? When you're disconnected for your me time? 
to just help yourself get into that. <laughs> What's that question? Like, what? Uh, There's a world that's not a virtual. <laughs> you know what? I, I don't know. I end up doing very boring things like uh, dealing with the rest of my life, which is, you know, uh, mum maintenance, um, trying to catch up with friends who I haven't done. I've got an pa- online pamper party I'm doing tonight, which I'm quite excited about. Someone's turning up with a washing up bowl. Um, and uh, reading. I'm meant to be doing a doctorate, which I keep pausing. So reading. Um, I was a media teacher, so, you know, getting up to date of all the old films and all that kind of thing. And then generally looking after my my tribe of kids. So, um, but I, you know writing and being creative and spending time with Kat and working on what we're doing is is great so I don't need to do too much to kind mm. of on my I need more hours in a day and about four claims of myself at the moment but but um yeah that's what I do the energy and what about you Kat what do you do for your me time uh, well you said you answered us about connecting with your your lovely husband Those my hubs yeah he's a lovely husband um I, yeah I um what do I do I I switch my brain off completely. So when I'm off, I am off. And so I read a lot of books for work. So I read a lot of factual, very serious, hard-hitting topics. And so I will sit, and I'm not even ashamed of telling you this, I will just watch, am I allowed to say that word? Yeah. I'll watch pro. I'll watch crap on Netflix, basically. Um, and I will just totally switch off. And I don't care. don't care that it's not intellectual. I've got to give my brain a bubble bath sometimes. So I've just binge watched Bridgerton. Me too. Uh-oh. Absolutely. <laughs> but it kind of was about diversity and inclusion. Because imagine if we'd had racial equality yeah. back in the day when there was aristocracy it would it would have changed the world and if people were talking about feminism then like they were and anyway I'll, I will see diversity inclusion in anything <laughs> well I was gonna say you can tell why you need to do that I I do the same thing I have to I I, I don't even know how I get through as much Netflix as I do to be honest it's, <laughs> it doesn't work but anyway there are more hours in the day apparently um but I because I, I, I do exactly what you just did then which was you'd go and do something to switch your brain off and then but you're still thinking, you're still doing it, you're still processing, and and it's not like it's your brain, you know. It, it's exactly. it all percolates away in the background, mm. doesn't it? Like from my birthday, for example, it was on the 9th of December, so we had a very brief respite from being locked away, and you were allowed to go to the spa with other humans. Mm. So three of my mum friends and I, we all went to the spa for a day, and we were in heaven. And we were sitting in, we just basically went from one really hot place to another really hot place. So we went through all the different jacuzzis, all the steam rooms, all the saunas. It's not going to be like my night tonight, Kat, is it? (laughs) No. You can try to bring in there with some bubbles. But it was absolutely lovely. And, And as I was having my lava shells massage, as suddenly there have been this thing that I've been like overthinking for ages and ages and ages like what is the solution to that problem how are we going to do this how are we going to do this and then as I was having my massage my mind was totally empty and I was just thinking this is so nice and then suddenly the solution popped into my head and I was like ah there it is I know exactly what we're going to do okay wonderful sometimes you do need to just let your brain percolate without like trying to you know influence it too much and just you know it will happen by itself 
Mm, and that's where the real clarity pops in, doesn't it? You know, we we always need the the kind of the striving and the hard work, and okay, yeah, we just got to do this and this. But it's those moments when when often you suddenly get this like, oh yeah, that's the point I was trying to make. That's the person who's really going to unlock this. That's whatever it is, it might be. Um, is yeah. when when you give yourself a bit of that space, right? We we there's so many things we could talk to, to you about all day, but I'm sure our our listeners can head on over to to find out more about that which I'll ask you about your social channels etc in a minute but before we do um we always ask about a top tip um so what top tips do you have for our listeners uh with regard to you know pursuing the those projects that they really want to pursue and and going into entrepreneurship wow that's a great question um i would say um just never give up mm. Uh, never, never stop ever. So get knocked down, like dust yourself off and, and try again and just keep on coming at it. If it's something that you think about all the time and it's a real passion in your heart, mm. just never give up and do it, you know, do it through whatever means that you can. But, you know, the world is not set up with female, especially mm. female founders at the center. And you throw in other the intersections of other groups that the females might belong to and there's even more barriers in in the way so I would just say never give up and just keep keep bashing those barriers out of the way and also use other founders as well get into meaning if you have a passion project and you're wondering where to go with it you know we'll, we'll we'll jump on a call with you and tell you everything that we know it may not be helpful but we'll certainly cheerlead you and share you and, and elevate you and shine the light on you so yeah I'd say get, get your community around you and never give up absolutely yeah I think yeah get the community get your support system even if it's just to bounce ideas of someone or you know you're not gonna have all the skills you need for the journey and soon you know work out what your strength is what you think you might want to learn and then bring people along and be open and then you know just pay it back in kind when you can amazing thank you um so what uh where can our listeners find you uh they can find us on twitter facebook instagram and linkedin at gc collect our parents group is gc rebels um and we've got the website the gc.org where you can contact us as well perfect we'll put all of those things in the show notes and yeah all that's left is to say thank you for what yeah very insightful eye-opening um I felt a lot of solidarity as well in that interview so thank you for your time thank you so much for having us thank you very much so we can't always control the situations that are going on outside of us but we can be in control of how we react to those situations And that is what mind styling is all about.